Blog Talk Radio. This is the 4 FCS Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts, Adam Willie, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton. And now, here's the show. How's it going, everybody? It's another episode of the 4 FCS Fanatics, and yet again, there is two of us this week, as I'm Dakota Collins, and I'm joined by Mr. Jeff Wickton. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing okay. My computer is still firing up, but that's okay. It's been updated. We'll see if that makes any, any difference this <laughs> week. <laughs> how's, the, how's the new route? Was it a router last week? Uh, um, well, you know, we're, we're going to have to check that out actually tomorrow. Um, we've, we've got the, the work software now, so, uh, we're going to actually test fire that tomorrow and see how that, how that flies. So I think it'll be okay. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I guess yeah. you know, as always, we'll start with our conference recaps. I guess while your computer's booting up, I'll go ahead and jump into Preston's and mine. That's all right. Sounds good. Oh, sounds good to me. So, starting the MEAC, uh, Bethune-Cookman came from back from behind to defeat North Carolina Central 28-25. <clears throat> North Carolina A&T defeated Savannah State 28-12. Norfolk gets the upset over Howard 29-17. South Carolina State defeated Florida A&M 44-21, but this game did not count as a conference game. So, therefore, Florida A&M is still leading the conference with only one loss, but that is two straight losses for Florida A&M, and it doesn't get any easier this week. They head to Bethune in the Florida Classic. <clears throat> and then Morgan State gets the shutout over Delaware State 9-0. to So, just talk about the MEAC real quick because they actually released their tiebreaker scenarios uh, yesterday, if I can find it. And, you know, Florida A&M, despite the loss this past weekend, like I said, wasn't a conference game. So there's still one loss, and they still control their own destiny. If they win this weekend against Bethune, they will clinch the berth to the Air Force Reserve Celebration Bowl and represent the MEAC in that, you know, contest. Um, but if they are to lose the, and North Carolina A&T can win, then North Carolina A&T will get the – Automatic qualifier. If both Florida A&M and North Carolina A&T win, both teams are declared co-champions. But Florida A&M would get the bid to the Celebration Bowl based on their head-to-head win over North Carolina A&T. Now, this can get tricky because if both North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M loses and South Carolina State can win its final two games, then North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M would be still be declared co-champions. Bethune-Cookman and South Carolina State would sit at five and two, clinch a berth to the the celebration bowl. And in that scenario, North Carolina A&T and Bethune-Cookman would have the best record among those four, so it would go to North Carolina A&T due to its head-to-head win over Bethune-Cookman. That was a headache, <laughs> but that. <laughs> Different scenarios than me. Yeah. So um, 
<laughs> basically, the MEAC is between North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M. In the uh, a league that is not as complicated as pay, is the Patriot League because Colgate's already clinched it. The Holy Cross defeated Fordham 17-13. Army defeated Lafayette 31-13. Lafayette was holding their own in the first half. It was 10-3 to close to halftime in that game. So nice to see them really – because Army, they've only, they only have two losses at the FBS level, one of them's to Oklahoma. So not a easy – It's not going to be an easy task for Colgate, no. You know, and, and, and yeah. I, I think it's, a, it's kind of a good season ender for them. I mean, really, they're not expected to win this game. So right. if they if they go in there and you know they just they play well, you know, it's just all it's 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 all good, you know. And then everybody's going to go, well, yay, you know, an FCS team won, visited an FBS team, a fairly good one at that. But then yeah. you know you, uh, you you look at it that if they if they happen to pull off the upset, holy cats. What will that do to the playoff picture? And, and that's going to be something yeah. that's going to be fun to uh, to talk with, you know, talk about later. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking. Colgate, like you said, they're in a really good position just in the fact that it's really a win-win. You're not expected to win. So if you go out and get blown out, and then it's, you know, well, I mean, that's expected. If you go out and play them close, sort of like Lafayette did, but maybe lose by, you know, 10 or so, or even pull off the upset, that's going to catapult Colgate to near the top of the playoff field probably because they're already looking mm-hmm. at a lower-end seed, you know, 7-8 range. But if they go and beat Army, I, especially if some of the teams in front of them manage to fall this weekend, that's going to probably catapult them to the top four. Um <laughs> Which I, 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 I got to admit, you know, I, I really, I, you know, in my poll, in my uh, thing that I do, I usually don't, um, I usually don't pick FCS versus FBS games. I just don't do it. it, and I didn't do it this week. But man, that would be a fun. That's going to still be a fun game to keep your eye on, just to say, ooh, you know, how how are mm-hmm. how is Polgate doing at this point? You know, are they able to, uh, you know, to, to even make it a competitive game? Because, again, as we just said, you know, nobody's expecting it. But if, if somebody can do it, that's going to just be awesome. Exactly. And mm-hmm. just how stout Colgate's defense has been, it's going to be interesting to see how they do against the triple option and an FBS opponent altogether. Moving on to the Colonial, Towson got a big win over Elon, 41-10. to 10. Stony Brook defeated Delaware seventeen to three. William and Mary defeated Villanova twenty four seventeen. New Hampshire got a win over Albany twenty four ten. James Madison found their winning ways again. They defeated Rhode Island forty eight thirty one, and Maine defeated Richmond twenty eight to nine. Really, no surprises in the Colonial this week, and the Colonial is equally as a mess as the MEAC. You know, Maine is a team that controls their own destiny. If they win this weekend's Elon, they win the outright Colonial Championship and the automatic bid. If <clears throat> Maine and James Madison both finish six and two in the conference, Maine gets the automatic bid. If New Hampshire finishes above William and Mary, but James Madison gets it if William and Mary finishes above New Hampshire. If Maine and Towson both finish at six and two, Maine gets the automatic bid based on its head to head win over Towson. If there's a three-team tie, there, there's a 
just a bunch of different scenarios in the Colonial. And it's, that, this is where you start getting to the three teams and four team category. And it's just this this team has to finish above this team. And it can get really messy, really chaotic uh, this week in both the MEAC and the Colonial. So that wrapped up um, Preston's conferences. So then heading over to, to mine, let me – because there were some surprises in mine, you know, just starting off in the SOCON. Um, Furman defeated Chattanooga – or no, not Furman, Mercer. Mercer defeated Chattanooga 13-9. to And I'm just thinking, what what an up-and-down year. What what happened to Chattanooga? They started the season 4-0. and and now they, they look great to have lost two of their last six. Or they lost four of their last six. They've only won two of their last six. Yeah. And no, those wins came against to start the season. Yeah, and their two wins and came then you're right. VMI and, kind of and Western Carolina. And I don't remember I don't remember reading that there was a, a huge, you know, like um, you know, an injury or, you know, some sort of something that happened to that to that Right. Chattanooga team. You know. It looks like. So was it just conference play? I guess you could see that because it started, started, you know, they lost by three to East Tennessee State. Then the next week they lost to Wofford. And then they got a two-game win streak. They beat Western Carolina and VMI, who are the two worst teams in the conference. And then they lost to Furman. And then they lost last week to Mercer. And what I'm noticing here is in their losses, their offense has really like they're struggling to score. Ten points against Wofford, mm-hmm. ten points against Furman, nine points against Mercer, fourteen against East Tennessee State. They're just not scoring any points. They're not giving up that many. They're not giving up a lot. Twenty one to Mercer or Wofford, seventeen East Tennessee State, sixteen to Furman. They're just not putting the ball in the end zone or at the uprights at this at this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Furman defeated VMI 49-13. The Citadel, big win over Samford 42-27. Look, look like the Bulldogs were turning their season around, but then the Citadel decided to, I guess, take them to the dog, doghouse. Cheap pun there. Wofford defeated Western <laughs> Carolina 38-23. OVC, Jacksonville State defeated Tennessee State 41-14. Tennessee Martin defeated Tennessee Tech, 38-13. Eastern Illinois over Austin P, 52-21. Austin P, you know, they're a team that last year really came out of nowhere, viewed by many as a playoff snub. And this year, you know, they actually had some playoff aspirations and some expectations, and they've just, they've just not lived up to those expectations. Um, this was a surprise. Eastern, Eastern Kentucky. Needed double overtime to defeat Robert Morris forty to thirty nine, and then the thriller of the day: Murray State comes back from thirty one points down to defeat Southeast Missouri State forty to thirty eight on a game winning squib kick return for a touchdown, and that gives Jacksonville State the Ohio Valley Conference Championship and the automatic qualifier. Semo went oh, from the OVC <laughs> champion to probably missing the playoffs in a span of about twelve seconds. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, and, and yeah. the question is, why did they squib kick that? You know, did he just yeah. 
misfire or, or was that an intentional play? Yeah, I have no idea. My my guess I is know. probably intentional, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Going to the SWAC, uh, Southern defeated Arkansas Pine Bluff, fifty six twenty four. Jackson State over Alabama State, twenty to two. Hampton defeated Mississippi Valley State, fifty four thirty nine. And Grambling defeated Alabama A and M, twenty nine to sixteen. And that wraps up my conferences. Okay. Well, before I get to uh, before I get to Adams and my conferences, uh, let's just take a quick check of the scoreboard here. It is twenty to nothing, Nichols over Southeast Louisiana. That game is at uh, Nichols tonight. Stephen F. Austin uh, has a, uh, a ten to seven lead over Northwestern State. That's about nine thirty six left in the second quarter, according to the scoreboard I'm looking at. And uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on them. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Incarnate Word, uh, as, as you might have noticed, Dakota. You know, we had Incarnate Word on on my uh, my pick 'em pool. Yeah. They were still going as of um, as a, as of whenever I put that out. That was probably Saturday. Um, they 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 canceled that game, and they had to pay out a hundred thousand dollars to North Alabama for that game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that that was because of, and then I haven't. <laughs> It's been an, an interesting enough week. I haven't even tried to look at it yet, but I'm guessing that it has to do with that uh, that game that was scheduled earlier in the year uh, for Iowa State that could be canceled if Incarnate Word hits the playoffs. Yeah, you're right. They To make room for Iowa State, Incarnate Word, I think, bought out at North Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's interesting, but at the same point, it makes me kind of wonder, are they thinking that they're not going to make the playoffs? Because I would have thought right. that they would have wanted that last game against North Alabama, you know, before they, they, they went for the, uh, for the playoffs. But that's right. I don't know. Or is it going to be a bigger payday to go to come up here to Ames and, uh, and play Iowa state, but yeah, maybe we're going to get into that for, for two weeks from now. Yeah. Speaking of incarnate word, I don't want to like interrupt you or anything, but yeah, I was reading an article right and it and it um really surprised me because you know we said last week that there's a team in the Southland that doesn't play a full <clears throat> full conference schedule, and that's that's the problem incarnate word's facing right now, and they've done it for two straight, they've done it last season and this season, and uh, and I was wondering why why does one team have to do it two straight years in a row, and I found out why. And it's because they volunteered because it started back it started back in two thousand fifteen with Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist came in at two in two thousand fourteen. They volunteered to play it in two thousand fifteen and sixteen. And Incarnate Word wasn't set to complete this transition until the start of last season. So they agreed to do it last year and this year. Which okay was fine because in 2015 Houston Baptist went 0 and 8 and then 2016 they went 3 and 5 then last year UIW was 1 and 7 but then this season so yeah well that's interesting so so now here's the question will they all play a full season next next year 
in that conference. That's a great question. Yeah, that's going yeah. to be something to look for. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that conference, let's go ahead into the South Lane and take a, a first look at them uh, from last week. Uh, Abilene Christian beat Sam Houston State on the road. Uh, 17-10 was your final there. Um, again, Incarnate Word over Central, or yeah, over Central Arkansas again on the road. 40 to 27 was your final there. Lamar was a home team. They they beat Houston Baptist 38 to nine. Nichols, you know, they're number 18 in the country. They they beat up on Stephen F. Austin at home, 47 to 14. And the final game of the conference there again going to overtime. Northwestern State beats McNeese in overtime. 37 to 34. How McNeese is still ranked? I'm still not sure. Moving on. Let me. I'm just going back up in. I know. And you know what? We've talked about it all year. Yet we, uh, you know, we don't have any say in in them getting ranked. But uh, again, how they're still ranked. (laughs) Well, they showed the Southland Conference standings because I have Nichols and Southeastern on the uh, TV, and they were showing the standings. And it's just mm-hmm. it was just funny seeing you know Nichols was in first place and they're number fifteen or whatever, and then you had like Incarnate Word Lamar you had like three or four teams and then in like fifth place you had McNeese with a ranking beside their name, but you had three teams in front of them with that aren't ranked and had a better conference record. It, it blows my mind. It well and, and you know kind of like what we've been talking about with Northern Iowa all year. Are they just getting in because they've got the reputation? You know, are people I still voting so. for them because they have that reputation? I mean, McNeese is a great school, and it has been for years. But then again, so is Stephen of Austin and Houston State. You know, um, they're obviously not in the poll for a reason. Why McNeese? And, and I'm still surprised Nichols is in there, too. Um but that's a, that's another story for another time. They they they've been winning the last couple of weeks, and obviously tonight, you know, they're 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 looking pretty strong so far. Um, but uh, you know, you, you kind of got to look at them and go, what the heck? <laughs> you know, and here again, I I just pulled it up. Nichols is in top top position. Incarnate words right there with them, and then there's McNeese and Abilene Christian, and it's just like, huh, and Lamar, and it's like, huh. And same Houston State's at, at you know five hundred so far, and Stephen F. Austin's down at two and six, and you know two and seven overall. They, they they've just not had a good season. But you know again, how McNeese is still ranked, and they're even ranked underneath Incarnate Word. Yeah, I mean I just don't get it. Just don't get it. But then again, that's okay. I don't vote either, so that works. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Pioneer. Uh, this game, this this one's pretty much over. Um, Butler beat Stetson at home, twenty-eight to twenty-three. Uh, even though Stetson tried to rally in the fourth quarter, um, Moorhead and Dayton State uh, tangled. Um, well, that was pretty lopsided. Dayton had a twenty-one nothing first half lead. They had forty-two points by the uh, by the end of the first half, and well, it's sixty-three to twenty was your final there. Uh, Valpo wins against Jacksonville at home, 48-30. to 30. Go figure. I wouldn't be a Florida team wanting to play in northern Indiana at that point either. Uh, 
three inches of three inches of snow, by the way, over at Valpo today. Oh, let's see here, Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three inches of snow in northern Indiana, right, right around their campus. So yeah, I got excited though because I was I got off work and I started pumping gas and it was like wind was blowing and sleeting. And next thing I know, I was like, I'm on the phone. I was like, it's snowing. <laughs> yeah, it started snowing here too. I was like, okay, I'm happy. Oh. Yeah, but you you're you're much further south. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, much further. <laughs> yeah, much further south. You know, here it's like, uh, yeah, okay, it's the second snowfall of the season. We're already done with it. Um, you know, down there you guys see snow. It's like, whoa, you guys see snow. Yep. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I I saw something on Facebook, and if I find it again, I'll 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 send it down to you. You know, and it's the um, it's what happens in the, you know, the nor'easters, you know, so if a nor'easter comes, how, how the East Coast reacts to, you know, certain levels of snow, how we react to it in the Midwest and how they react to it down, down by you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was kind of humorous and, 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 and the really sad part is some of it was true. Um, I'm, I'm, I am a Midwesterner. I I can say some of it was true, but anyway, one <laughs> shorts when it's when we've had six inches of snow on the ground, and that is no lie. Last year we had about a foot of snow in February, and mm-hmm. honest to goodness, truth, one of my neighbors in 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 our cul-de-sac was out there shoveling snow in. Uh, Probably shorts down to his knee, but they were still shorts. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway, uh-huh, I know. And, again, that was about 12 inches of snow. So, uh, as I said, you know, I didn't want to say it, but, yes, it's, some of that is true. All right. Uh, by the way, they're raising the 12th man flag over in Seattle. Go Packers. Um Marist went to Drake. Drake, uh, the difference in this game, it was 3-3 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, both scored a touchdown, and Drake has the extra field goal. 13-10 to was your final Drake Bulldogs over the Marist uh, Cardinals. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, and then San Diego, they held on. This was just uh, this was a slugfest all the way through, and I don't know where the defenses were in this game, but – uh, 56-52 was your final. San Diego holds on. Pretty much this this win gives them the the the, the conference. Uh, there is no way that um, that anybody is going to pass the Toreros this year. I I say that this win pretty much gave them uh, the conference. So congratulations to San Diego as they get the automatic qualifier there. Let's run up to the Northeast Conference here. Actually, I can tell you that the uh, that the, um, the server's doing much better. These speed pages are loading like like really quick tonight. Um, Central Connecticut State on the road. They beat St. Francis uh, thirty to fourteen. Wagner went to Bryant. They they also won fifty two to thirty six. Sacred Heart lost a close one at Duquesne, even though they had a. They, they got a field goal in the fourth quarter. They needed the touchdown for the tie at 28-24 there. And let's see here. We've got Eastern Kentucky, as you talked about. 
just edging Robert Morris there right in the end, uh, 40 to 39 was your final there. All right, let's move on here. My my favorite, the Missouri Valley, Youngstown State. I love talking about this. Youngstown State, 31-10 winners. Uh, bye bye Panthers. You guys are, you know, if you're not, if you weren't in the graveyard before, you should be now. So 31, if they end up in the, in the playoffs, by the way, I'm going to be, you're going to hear the scream all the way down there. I'm just saying, um, I'll send it right back to you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Indiana state, they, they win, uh, against a ranked Illinois state team that, 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 that win knocked the, uh, the Redbirds out of the pole, I think pretty much out of the out of the playoff picture as well. Twenty eight to twenty three uh, was your score over in Terre Haute, and then of course Western Illinois just laying an egg in, in South Dakota. I was able to listen to part of that game on on, on my lunch. Uh, Western just could not figure out what to do with the ball when they had it. Um, and, and again, this is in the Dakota Dome, so this is you know. It's not like they were battling the elements, you know. Um, it, I just cannot say that, that they. It seems like when they were had the ball, um, you know, uh, the quarterback was was missing was missing the guys, and there was there was one wide receiver, and I don't remember his name right off the top of my head, but I remember three drop passes over my lunch hour, um, you know, to the to the same guy. So. Correct. It is what it is. Western Illinois loses uh, 17 to 12. I have a feeling, uh, again, if we're not in your graveyard, well, then we darn well should be. Um, let's see. Number six, South Dakota State. They win at Southern Illinois, 57 to 38. Game was a lot closer than I would have expected. But uh, let's face it, they had a 30 to 17 lead in the, you know, after the first half. And again. The Salukis putting on a good uh, offensive show there in the third quarter. Um, so, yeah. Uh, by the way, Packers have already scored. Um, nice sweep to the uh, nice sweep to the right and into the uh, into the end zone. I didn't see who scored it, but uh, hey, go Pack. Um, and then number one, North Dakota State, all over Missouri State as expected, forty-eight to the seven. Your score there from Springfield. Moving on, let's see. He has the Ivy League, so I'm going to go there. Uh, Columbia, all over Brown, 42-20. to 20. Uh, Princeton just keeps climbing the ladder. It's a shame that they're not going to the playoffs. 59-43, your score against Yale. Harvard, all over 10, 29-7. And Dartmouth, still, still, going, uh, still going strong. They're, they're going to make Princeton win their, their final game and go undefeated this year. 35 to 24 winners over Cornell. And let's see here. <laughs> I got the Big South and the Big Sky. I'll save the Big Sky for last. Uh, surprise, surprise. Kennesaw State over Monmouth, 51 to 14. Uh, again, that game looked like it was going to be a close one, uh, and then it just it all fell apart for the Hawks in the second half. 34 unanswered points for uh, for the Owls there in the second half. Campbell returns to their winning ways, but then again they were facing the Presbyterian Blue Hose. Thirty-four to six was the final at Presbyterian, and Gardner Webb got shut out at Charleston Southern. Sixteen to nothing was your final there. All sixteen points for the Colonials there uh, in the first quarter or in the first half. 
And, uh, yeah, I haven't looked at these yet either. Um, all right, so let's go to the big tie for our last one here. 35-7 to seven for Montana State over Northern Colorado. At least Northern Colorado did get one win this year. Uh, let's see here. Portland State losing to North Dakota in North Dakota, 17-10. to 10. Um, I think this was our game of the week last week. Washington, Eastern Washington uh, beating UC Davis 59-20. to 20. Um, Looked like it was a good first quarter and, and a first half, and then 24 points for the Eagles in the fourth quarter. So, you know, put that game easily away there. Uh, Idaho, they took another one on the chin. Montana actually showed that they can be a road team. 46-27 against the Vandals. Weaver State, 31-18 winners over Southern Utah. And Cal Poly, they beat Idaho State. I thought that was quite an upset. 37 to why did that update 37 to 14 these games are over folks this, this thing shouldn't still be updating and then i thought this was interesting i didn't have time to look into it over the weekend northern arizona and sacramento state were postponed yeah postponed to me and i and again i didn't have time to look into this over the weekend um postponed to me means that they're going to but they're going to play, play the it game at, again. Are, are, yeah. Are they playing it at a later date? I haven't heard anything on it yet. You know what? Let me just look that up here right off. Uh, Northern Arizona. I only have one more game on their schedule. I'm opening their website. Let's see. Let's see if that changes things. I don't see why they would make it up. Just the fact I, that so late in the season, and these teams really don't have any shot at the playoffs. No, I actually I'm on the Northern Arizona site here. Postponed uh, was a poor choice of words. They actually have canceled due to the wildfires. They do not have a makeup date. So I'm going to guess that they are not. Um, but they are not going to reschedule that game, which that's really uh, – I didn't realize that the uh, wildfires were also up by Sacramento. I knew that they were in Southern California, but I didn't realize that they were up by Sacramento. So all thoughts of those folks up in Northern California as well because those wild, wildfires are just nothing to mess with. So all, all, the thoughts to, all the thoughts of those folks out there as well. And I'll tell you what I've wrapped up. Uh, I have wrapped up those conferences, and we are all good to go. Are we? Are we looking at the uh, at the polls here now? Well, I was going to talk a little bit about last week's Eastern Washington and UC Davis. Just to touch on that a little bit. Just my oh my, how dangerous is Eastern Washington? <laughs> oh yeah, they had the sixth most yards in school history. They they. They put 669 yards on UC Davis. Now, UC Davis wasn't a great defense. They were, if I remember correctly, in like the 90s in total defense, but still 372 rushing yards. Their quarterback was 16 of 30 for 285 and a touchdown. Um, UC Davis, who averaged 43 points a game, is held to 20. They were 
you know, Davis was averaging 328, 326 passing yards per game. They had just 195. Um, Eastern Washington's defense, you know, accompanied by their offense, but it's really the defense for Eastern Washington that's really turning heads this season. I think is what's going to put the Eagles, you know, over the hump that they've been facing, you know, in recent years. It's, this is the best defense Eastern Washington has had, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they give up yardage, but they you got to work for it if you want to score points on it. This was a close game. You know, you see Davis actually had a 10 nothing lead, but then Eastern Washington scored 21 straight points. But then it was at one point 21-17. But in the second half, that's when it exploded. Eastern Washington outscored the Aggies 38-3 to in the second half. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, a lot of that probably had to do with I'm probably not a lot, but some of it had to do with the home field being in Cheney. You know, it was snowing really bad. So, you know, Californian team going to the Pacific Northwest in the snow. But it's going to be interesting to see how far yeah, Washington I, I can make it in the playoffs. I, I remember seeing some snow there at the Inferno. So, you know, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure UC Davis had a little problems in playing with that. But, you know, I think – Probably, and I didn't see the field for game time, but I, I would expect that it was probably warm enough to, uh, you know, to melt some of that off. I bet it was might have been a little sloppy, but I bet it was per, still pretty good re, uh, conditions, but probably a lot colder yeah. than what they're used to. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, just being at the Inferno and just a tough place that is to play already, then you add in the the weather factor for, you know, a team that's not used to the cold environment as much as Eastern Washington. So not really surprising that Eastern Washington won, but it's, it's surprising me how, how dominant they were in that win. Mm-hmm. And despite yeah, and, and losing, you know, honestly, you know, I mean, they did, they did it a lot on the ground. I mean, I mean, they had a one-yard run, a three-yard run, another three-yard run, you know, and then 45 yards to start the start the third quarter, you know, they were um, East or UC Davis had the ball, and they had a 45-yard interception that they returned for a touchdown, you know. At least, yeah, that's I'm I'm looking at it over here, and then another one-yard run. Um, and UC Davis got their 51-yard field goal. That was the closest that they got. You know, it was 51 yards to try that field goal. And then again, uh, you know, a 12-yard run, a 7-yard run, and a 6-yard pass with 41 seconds left. That's their only pass play for a touchdown. Everything else was on the ground. That is – that's amazing because nobody's talked – at least from what I've been seeing, nobody's been talking about their running game. And then – Okay, so yeah, the defense. You're right. That that defense has, has been has been good, and and this week was just really good. You know, they were at the top yeah. of their game this weekend, but then to have a running game that that can explode like that, oh wow! Right, that's going to be fun to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Especially if they can snag a uh, you know top seed to get home field advantage. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, let's face it, they're 
you know, where where they're ranked, that that's always a possibility. You yeah. know, at least to have a couple games at home. You know, I don't know what where you and I of course don't know where they're gonna be and, and it'd be fun to talk to a committee member. They're already ranked fourth in the country. We've talked about Kennesaw State and how simple and easy their schedule was. They're not going to be number one. That's going to go to North Dakota State. Right. I don't know that they're going to be number two, you know, but easily they should be number three in the country. That's my thought. Barring any, any upset from Colgate, I think Eastern Washington easily could be the third team in the country. Um, Weber State, I, you know, it's it, to me, it's it's hard right now to say who deserves it more. Does Eastern Washington deserve that number two seed? Does Weber State earn that number two seed? I just don't know. You know, I, I I've enjoyed Weber State and how they played all year. Eastern Washington didn't didn't impress me to start the year. I, I'm I'm going to admit I wasn't an Eagles fan at the beginning of the year. Uh, from the way that they played the last few weeks, I've completely turned turned tight on that. That they are. They are everything that they've always been dolled up to be. They are ready for a, for a deep run into the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch. And I was worried about their quarterback. I was worried about that quor- that that quarterback being yep. gone. You know, I'm not worried yeah, about huge that. props. Their backup, you know, stepping in, and really they're not missing a beat. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They're not. So I'm not too worried about I'm not worried about the Eagles right now. <laughs> the Eagles they're going to end up in Frisco, but right. I think that you know they're a team that you're going to have to watch. You know, I, I, right now I don't say anybody's going to end up in Frisco yet, but they're definitely a team that's that's worth watching, especially <clears throat> depending on how their their seeding goes. They get a number two seed out playing out in Eastern Washington. That that's definitely a possibility. I absolutely agree that if they are able to get, you know, top two seed, get up to that you know number two spot. I'm I'm like you. I'm not going to say that they're uh, they're going to be a guaranteed semifinalist or a guaranteed you know national title game, but you know this team how they're playing right now should at least make the semifinal or. At the very least, quarterfinals. Oh, quarterfinals! I think is a given. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're going to play that first. They're going to play that first team. They're going to have the off week. The other team is going to, you know, have played a, a game yep. that week before. Yeah, no, no, they got that quarterfinal. I think pretty much taken care of. Especially seeing the game will be in Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington in mid-December. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine anything more miserable. <laughs> I mean, it, it, nothing against it. Eastern Washington, that could just be as almost as brutal as being in the Dakotas. Um, you know, in the Dakotas, outdoors at that time of year. I don't think I'd want that. You know, South oh, I know Dakota I State's an outdoor stadium. Yeah, South Dakota State's an outdoor stadium. You know, I can't imagine playing in South Dakota State 
if that wind starts whipping up, because let's face it, there is not much around South Dakota State to block that wind. So I can only imagine how much how much of a home field advantage that could be for like a South Dakota State who again they're they're number five right now in the country. You know, they're gonna get a home game. You know that they are. <clears throat> so I can only imagine what they're you know, what that home home field advantage would be if, uh, you know, going to Eastern Washington, going to South Dakota State, even going to Weber State, where I'm sure that it, get, it can get cold. You know, Weber State's in the mountains. At yes. least I think that they are. You know, um, when Western played there last year, I think that, you know, the shots that I was seeing, uh, there, were, there was good mountain views. It looked like a pretty stadium. Um, you know, well, it'd be like being in Montana for for a playoff game. I have heard that can be rather brutal. So, yeah, it'll be fun to see. It'll definitely be fun to see. You know, and, and it's funny how home field advantage could come into playoffs here real soon. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I'm sorry, I have completely uh, derailed the game of the week discussion. No, you're. Um, but before we move on to the the poll discussion, just you know, update on the games in action. Nichols is still shutting out Southeast Louisiana. Three minutes until halftime. It's twenty three to nothing now. And then the other game's already at halftime. Stephen F. Austin leads Northwestern State sixteen to seven. Interesting. It. I didn't think. Oh, that, that that didn't load up what I wanted it to. Um, Nichols, I, I expected them to beat South East Louisiana tonight, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect. I didn't expect them. Well, I was, yeah, you know, like I said, I've been watching this game. You know, when it first started, and the South East Louisiana got the ball first, and you know, their first possession, they fumble. Nichols scores in three plays. Second possession, they get in Nichols' territory. They fumble again. They did force the Nichols' punt after that, but from what I'm seeing, the, the, the offense for Southeast Louisiana just can't get anything done against Nichols' defense. Well, there you go. And that will probably then give Nichols that extra uh, win. And they'll probably win the win the conference. You think there's any hope for Incarnate Word to get an automatic qualifier? No. I mean, they're only they're only going to be six and four. I don't. But think they have. So. Two, I think that they the two of those losses are to FBS teams. Well, and and, and, and let's just consider it now. They're probably going to get yeah. another loss here this weekend or whenever they play. Um, Iowa State. Iowa State. But there's no, there's, there's a part of me that that kind of wonders that, that if they I, if they didn't think that they were going to get in to begin with, because I can't imagine why they would have canceled on North Alabama and then not taken that you know because the playoffs start next week. So why wouldn't they have taken that win, or yeah. why wouldn't they have taken that game? You know, against um, against North Alabama, if they didn't think they were going to get into the playoffs, 
Because they right. have the and the other <clears throat> the other stipulation for that game is Incarnate Word and Iowa State don't play if Iowa State makes the Big 12 championship game, which didn't seem like it was going to happen, especially how they started the season. But Iowa State's actually <laughs> in a they're five and two in the Big 12, so they're still in a position to make their conference championship game if they went out and Oklahoma and West Virginia lose one. From what I heard on the radio earlier. Well, I'm looking at the but that's kind of that's kind of saying a lot right now because I mean Iowa State, you got to remember they're I mean they've won 5 in a row. So, I mean that's good for them. But they're in the same conference as Oklahoma and West Virginia. Both yep. of those teams, I believe, and again, I, I would have to go back here, but I believe both of those teams are nationally ranked. They are. They're both in the top ten. Yeah. I, Oklahoma was kind of a given. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was West Virginia, but, yeah, I see that they're number nine in the country. I don't think that they're going to get – I mean, they could go to a bowl, I guess. Which I mean, Iowa but, State is uh, number seventeen, I think. But. but you still have two, two, you know, yeah. top ten teams ahead of you. Yep. And, 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 and nothing against it, but when, when actually, uh, from what I was just seeing here, and this is from stats, um, LL, uh, yeah, LL, uh, Iowa State sixteen, um, which. Is impressive in itself, but um, you know when are they going to expand to at least eight teams? I mean, this fourteen playoff to me is a joke. It, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the thing you could you could transform some of these bowl games into into the playoff games on neutral sites. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't, don't want to get too much. In the FBS talk, but I, I've said it. You know, if for a playoff, do at least eight teams, do all five of the Power Five champions automatic qualifiers, mm-hmm. get the Group of Five champion in there, and then two at-large bids. I agree. There's too many bowl games I anyway. Agree. Well, and even if a team that is six and six should not be making a bowl game. No, I agree. Um, I think some of these these games, um, yeah, you know, I keep waiting for them. I mean, for crying out loud, they have the Idaho Potato Bowl, which is basically to showcase <laughs> Boise State. You know, <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Hey, um, go Boise. Man. Yeah, well, go Boise State on that blue field. But uh, um, by the way, Seattle just kicked in a field goal, seven to three. I don't know how much time's left because that that right is too small for my eyes. But um, <laughs> it's just it to me it's it's ludicrous how many bowls that they have uh, in, in in BCS that really mean nothing. Yep. You know, if if you get into a January sixth, a January first Big Six bowl, yay, great, good job. You know, if you if you get into the national championship, yay, great, good job. Otherwise, really, what's the point? Oh, look, our fourth place team is playing your sixth place team. Yay. You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about FCS football, though. You know, I love – this is we're, – we're almost to my favorite time of year where we're about to find out who the 24 teams are that are going to play basically for the national championship. You know, and obviously some of these teams do not have a chance. But some of these right. teams, it's going to be so much fun to see how they do, you know. Now, again, I know who I think is going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about that as of yet, but I know who I think is going to go to the playoffs and go and go to Frisco. But, you know, that's the reason why we don't just play these games on paper. We're going to play these games, you know, in the stadiums and in our home stadiums yeah. for that one. Yeah, that's why, you know, last season in the playoffs you had um, Kennesaw State going to Jacksonville State, who was a national seed, and knocking off the Gamecocks on, in Burgess Snowfield. And then you had, who was it, Weber State that had a deep playoff run that was unseeded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they started and off now, against Western. <laughs> and a game that should have been held in Macomb. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> but he doesn't hold a grudge. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I also don't hold a grudge against the, uh, you know, anybody that that says that that that, uh, that we weren't playing the officials too. But you know, we also you look at Western last year. You know, really they lost that game because of their defense, and mm-hmm. Weber had the better defense, and then they showed it the next week as well. You know, so. And then they've showed it all season here. So it, I, you know, I, I can't say it was all it was all bad officiating, though I'd love to. Um, I can't say it was all because uh, you know it, Weber State had a great defense last year, and they and they again they're they're a top five seed in the country right now because they have a great defense. And I think that that I think that's the reason why that they are where they're at. And I think that's the reason why they're going to be, I think, probably the third seed in the country going into the uh, going into the playoffs. That's my thought. <laughs> I didn't realize I brought my soapbox up here, but I, I see that I'm standing on it pretty pretty darn strong. <laughs> oh. By the and way, you got two people you this afternoon. If you read, got to fill the two hours somehow. <laughs> All right. I say now's a great time to talk about the uh, top 25. If I can find where I put it, there it is. I got my top 25 up. I'll I'll take the first five. Obviously, we've already pretty much gone over it. North Dakota State, surprisingly, again, the the number one unanimous team in the country, 155 votes this time. Again, guys, vote vote for these teams. Uh, North Dakota State, uh, number one in the country again. Kennesaw State, again, holding on to number two. Surprise, surprise to me. Weber State, number three. Eastern Washington uh, jumps up one, actually. They go uh, up to number five. That's because UC Davis lost at Eastern Washington, who slides up into the four spot. And South Dakota State, well, they're moving up a spot as well. They're up at number five from number six the week before. And then we go to your team. (laughs) Number six, Jacksonville State's in the eight and two. Uh, number seven is James Madison. Number eight is undefeated Colgate. Number nine, UC Davis falling from number four to nine. And then to round out the top ten, in that ten is Stony Brook. 
Uh, not a lot of surprises for me in the top ten. Obviously, Jacksonville stay at number six. What have what have they done? What have they done? I don't. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Well, hey, they they just won the Ohio Valley. Um, thanks to a thanks to a thirty one point blowing by SEMA. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take the automatic qualifier. But I mean, we needed some help, and you know, we haven't really beaten a team of significance yet, in my opinion. Right. So. Well, I and you know honestly though I you say that, but then again I look at Kennesaw State who's up at number two. Who have they beat? Who have they exactly? Beat? You well, know, yeah. We'll get to okay. this later when we talk about oh, the game yeah. of the week. But yeah, Kennesaw State and Jacksonville State. You know, two teams. He has a uh, you know high profile FCS matchups. These are two teams that are viewed by many as you know really paper heavyweights, like easy schedules, weak conferences haven't played nobody. They're just beating up on teams they should beat up on. So mm-hmm. it's going to be nice to see what happens when these two teams actually meet head-to-head. You know, last last year, like I said in the playoffs, Kennesaw got that win in Jacksonville, 17-7, to not very high scoring. I expect this year to have a little bit more offense, probably not um, too much because, I, you know, we'll get – like I said, we'll get into it later. These two teams are evenly matched, as about as evenly matched as you can get. When looking at the statistics, yeah, so mm-hmm. we want to continue with number eleven. Oh, it's gonna take number eleven. Yep, the Houston <clears throat> Tigers—they've risen up uh, two spots. They they went up to eleventh place this year. North Carolina followed those up uh, two spots. North Carolina A&T up to number twelve. The Wofford Terriers are up in the thirteenth spot. They also two more spots coming up. Uh, they they rose from 15th to 13th. The Elon Phoenix fell down from uh, 7th to 14th place. And the Towson Tigers came up five spaces. They're right behind uh, Elon. They're in 15th place at 7 and 3 as well. And then, do you want me to take the other number five? I don't know. <laughs> Go yeah, for the main black bears. Yeah, I got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the main black bears actually only seems like I gotta admit, guys. All right, so so the dog has been keeping me awake. The dog woke me up to uh, oh, nice touchdown pass by Aaron Rodgers. By the way, uh, I don't know how many yards that was, but it was most of the field. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for for once, I'm not wearing my purple and the yellow here. I'm I'm wearing my green and gold. Thank you very much. Um. Yeah, the dog's been getting me up in the night. Well, last night I was up between one and five. I oh, didn't get nice. a nap. Yeah, it's been a fun one. Um, yeah, it's been one of those days too. So, all right, Maine Black Bears, they're, they're holding steady at 16th place, uh, still seven and three. Uh, Delaware, the Blue Hens uh, fell from 11th place down to 17th. Nichols, well, they're they're playing tonight. They they dropped a spot. They're down to number 18th uh, in the in the country. Uh, East Tennessee State, we were we were talking about them last week. They held steady as well at number 19. And uh, Dartmouth, eight and one Dartmouth. The Mean Green are at number 20. Uh, they they rose up five spots from the 25th spot. The Toreros of San Diego came up. They are now in 21st place. They were unranked last week. Uh, McNeese and McNeese. Hmm. Back from 18th to 22nd. 
still surprised that you know that they're not out of this thing. They they are in that twenty second place. Southeast Missouri State they only fell two two spots with that loss this weekend. Uh, they are down to twenty third place. It surprises me too, especially with as volatile as the poll has been this year. Um, so yeah, I, I got to agree with you on this. The, the, the poll has been so volatile. Um, it just it really. Yeah, the fact that they're only in 24th place right now surprises me. Southeast Missouri State is, uh, excuse me, in the 23rd place. That also surprises me. Um, but again, uh, UIW uh, due to a due to a, a loss there at the uh, end of last week, uh, you know, they were able to ascend into the poll, as did Montana State. Both teams are at six and four, and uh, both teams, of course, eagerly awaiting to see how things happen on Sunday to see if they're going into the playoffs. So uh, Indiana state, Idaho state, and I believe Illinois state are the three that fell out of the poll. Illinois state fell so far down. They're even below uh, you and I, North Dakota, Monmouth. Yeah. I would say that they weren't here. (laughs) Abby Christian. Yeah. Bye-bye. Uh, I I think uh, the season ends this weekend for the Redbirds. So oh well, they they've had a they've had a couple of years where they've gone to the playoffs, obviously, but uh, I don't think this is going to be one of them. So oh well, but hopefully Indiana State, um, you know, in my heart, you know, okay, Indiana State, they've really had a great turnaround, and we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes with Luke from uh, from Indiana State. Um, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if they if they get that win out at, out at Macomb this weekend. Um, and again, I'm, I'm kind of tipping tipping what we're going to talk about here in a few minutes with our guest. Um, but man, I'm I'm really hoping that they uh, that they can go then to the playoffs. Not that I hope that that, that Western loses, but um, it, I think that would just be a great. Um, end to their season at least to go to the, for that first round of the class. I mean, how many years? And then we'll, we'll talk again here with Luke Martin here from Indiana State broadcast team in, in a few minutes. But how many times have we thought that they were the doormat of, of Missouri Valley? And this year, they're just absolutely kicking it pretty well. So I'm, I'm, yep. yeah, I don't want us to lose. But uh, I certainly am going to look forward to seeing how uh, how that game comes out down in Macomb this weekend. That's going to be a a fun game to watch. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of people are thinking Indiana State can sneak into the playoffs if they defeat your Leathernecks. And I think it's going to be interesting to I, see. Well, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, I mean, yeah, they're behind two Ivy League teams, but I mean. Somebody's going to have to replace those spots from Princeton and, and Dartmouth, you know. Yeah, then you look at you look at North Carolina A and T, who might go to the Celebration Bowl. Mhm. So uh, why <clears throat> why not why not have the Sycamores there? I, I'm kind of hoping so, you know. Um, I mean, <sighs> they've. Okay, so so they don't have like a couple years where they've just been you know squeaking by. They really have it this year, you know. They're they're they're, they're playing they're playing teams top. They're I mean they, 
Was it South Dakota State? They, you know, they, they, they played them into the third overtime. You know, I mean, they've been playing the teams that they need to. They've been playing them tough. They've upset a few teams. You know, it's 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 going to be a fun year to watch. The I, I look forward to, you know, you and I were talking last week. I think it was about, you know, how fast the season's gone. But, you know, you think of everything that we've covered in the season, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how, you know, how some of these teams are rewarded in the playoffs this coming week. Yep. You know, we talked a lot about a lot a lot last week about uh, teams like Indiana State, like Maine, like East Tennessee State, like Incarnate Word, who were, they're just not used to being in this position this late in the season, and now mm-hmm. they have a chance to make the playoffs, and it's going to be interesting to see how these teams react in the playoffs and the noise the noise they can make. Yeah, you know, once given the opportunity. Right. Right. So I mean, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun weekend. Of course, we've got the the games on Saturday, and I don't know what time that they pick the playoffs on Sunday. It is twelve thirty or twelve forty-five. Okay. So right about the time that I get out of church this weekend, they're going to be yeah. picking the playoffs. That'll be that'll be a great way to. To start the weekend, so that'll be fun. And it looks like our guest is in. I'm going to unmute him, but as we said, we have a special guest this week. We are going to talk to Luke Martin from the Indiana State broadcast team, and we're going to chat with him about Sycamore football. Hey, Luke, are you there? What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up, hey. guys? How are it's you? A pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you this week. How you doing? You know what? You can't do pretty bad. You know, we're in the playoff race, which for a team that was 0-11 a year ago is, you know what, pretty good. You know, we have a Sycamore alum, Robert Tanyan, just got his first career touchdown pass for the Packers uh, literally just about a couple minutes ago. So it's been a lot of good news rolling Indiana State's way this year, guys, and hopefully we can get at least one more good week. Was he the one that just caught that 54-yard bomb from, from Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah. He is the one, Robert Tanyan. He graduated a year before uh, Coach Mallory got here, so that would have been 2016. Uh, Rob was a great wide receiver for us, was actually originally recruited as a quarterback and was a quarterback for his first two years and uh, transitioned to wide receiver. And then once he got uh, into the NFL, he had to transition to tight end for a new spot and get bulkier, get stronger. And made the Packers roster this year after originally starting off with the Lions about a year ago, um, being on their practice squad and trying to get in. So we got to catch up with Rob over the summer and thrilled he's having success. And he's on that roster, four string tight end, and just got a uh, touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. So a pretty cool night for him. Well, and and nothing against I've got that Packers game on here because, as I just said to Dakota, you know, we're – you know, I, I I normally wear my my purple and gold here during the show, but you know tonight, uh, you know we've got this Thursday night football thing going on, so I've got to wear my green and gold tonight. So, hey, that was me last I'm week when little... the Steelers were on last Thursday. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah, you gotta support your teams. That's for sure. Mhm. Yep, definitely do. 
Well, and, and it's kind of fun to, to be, and, and, and we're, um, well, Dakota's not a, not a, a Missouri, a Missouri Valley football fan as, as uh, Adam and I would be. Adam, Adam's not here with us this week, but you know, of course I'm a West, Western Illinois alum and boy, it, it's kind of fun to see, you know, this, this Renaissance here this year by the Sycamores. Well, it's been great to call. It's been you know, great to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just been a blast. Mhm. What do you think the main the main thing has been so far with this Sycamore turnaround? You know, Jeff, I I think the biggest thing looking at this Indiana State team is, you know, Coach Mallory has said it time and time again. When we met in January, following the season, uh, following our winter workouts, I, he he told the guys, he said, eight months from now, when I get asked why this team was able to turn it around, it's going to be because you were all in. And that's a phrase. It's a cliche. I know there's a lot of other programs that use it. And for a lot of other programs, it probably would be a cliche. It probably would just be a saying. But this Indiana State football team bought in. They went all in. They believed in Kurt Mallory. They believed in this coaching staff. They, but more importantly, and most of all, they believed in one another. They knew that last year they got mm-hmm. their tails kicked in. And, I mean, they, did, they just didn't lose a year ago, guys. They got whooped. Just to put in perspective, not one Valley game was within one possession at halftime. The average score defeat a year ago was 50-10. to 10. This team got embarrassed a year ago, and they had to throw in a lot of young guys that they knew were going to be baptism by fire, but they'd rather take that. I mean, a year ago, just to put in perspective, Indiana State will have the full travel roster when they go to Western Illinois. A year ago, when they finished the season in Cedar Falls against Northern Iowa, they only took 50 players. They could only have 50 players. They only had 50 players who were still on the team at the end of a year ago and who could possibly play. It's been a lightning transformation, but the biggest thing, it's just better players. I mean, I know that seems very simple, and it seems like it wouldn't be that hard to get, but Ryan Boyle, an Iowa transfer who graduated from Iowa, has totally been a night and day difference in terms of the quarterback spot for this Indiana State team. You look at the offensive line, which was a big struggle a year ago, only one guy started every game on the offensive line last year. That's Wyatt Wozniak, who's back at that center spot this year. But it's been the left side of that offensive line. Tate Levitt of Kentucky dropped down, who will only be with Indiana State for this one year for his only year left of eligibility. And Isaiah Edwards, Big Tuna is his nickname. Big Tuna started off at Rice for his college career, went to junior college at Independence, which was part of the Last Chance U series currently right now on Netflix. And then he's now here at Indiana State. And those guys intermixed with Kevin Kachowski, who had to fill in halfway through the year for an injured Kyle Erickson a year ago, James Lang, who had experience last year, and then Wyatt Wozniak, as I mentioned. So better guys, no doubt. Being able to bring in talent like a Ryan Boyle and being able to add to that offensive line and the physicality of this team to just get stronger over the offseason. Because a year ago, the reason Indiana State was not in a lot of those games, guys, is just because they were just weren't strong. They just weren't big enough. Uh, they want to mm-hmm. be a team that runs the football and that can stop the run and can be a defensive presence. And even though the defensive numbers aren't necessarily wowing this year for Indiana State, they've kind of been more bend but don't break. Uh, they give up yards. 
but they haven't necessarily given up in big chunks, and they've been able to get stops in the red zone and necessarily what looks like a touchdown drive or would have been a touchdown drive a year ago. They're kind of holding teams to field goals. So there are so many areas you can look to because there were 65 guys when Indiana State started the year against Quincy that never played a down in an Indiana State uniform. So there was a lot new paying into this year, a lot of good new and a lot of good talent, but also just the fact that they really believe in a guy who I believe should easily be not just the Valley Coach of the Year, but National Coach of the Year in Kurt Mallory. And I would agree with you on that. I mean, you just look at, as you were even pointing out some of the numbers, you know, just the scores and the, and, 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 and just the attitude of the team. I mean, normally I'm like, oh, yay, we're playing Indiana State to end our season. That, that, might, that might help us get into the playoffs. <laughs> now I'm just kind of going, holy cats, we've, we've got Indiana State. We better batten down the hatches and, and hold on tight. Because, you know, especially you look at how Western played at, at uh, South Dakota last week. We, we were dropping passes left and right. We're airmailing our receivers. And, and so we're going to have to rely on the run. And if, we're, if we've got to go against a team that, that faces a run defense, oh, boy, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah, you mentioned it. I think that's the biggest thing. And when you look at Western Illinois, I mean, what can you say about Sean McGuire? You know, this year he's really had to deal with, I think, a, an offensive line that's been challenged. Uh, when you think of four of the five linemen from a year ago, they had to replace – uh, they haven't had many options for him to throw to. When you think of you losing Jeremy Acklin, who was just such a huge security blanket for him a year ago, and mm-hmm. he's just willed this team. I, I have so much respect, and not just me. I know there's a lot of other coaches. I know Easton Stick is really good. Taryn Christian is darn good. And we love our guy, Ryan Boyle. We wouldn't trade Ryan Boyle for anybody in this league. But Sean McGuire, man, is just a warrior. And what he's done during his time at Western Illinois, I wish it got more recognition than what he necessarily gets. Um, but, man, he willed that team in that comeback against Carbondale earlier this season. And winning in Carbondale, I think, for the first time in like 18 years. Uh, and then you even think a year ago, the wacky comeback against Northern Iowa in the Unidome in the final seconds. So, you, you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is going to be whether Western Illinois can have some type of running success to help out Sean McGuire. They normally do a lot of those jet sweeps just because they really struggle to run in between the tackles. Um, But can Indiana State continue to have offensive success against a really good Western Illinois defensive team that you got Pete Swenson, who seems to just get sack after sack after sack as he goes throughout the year. And then, of course, Colin Saunders, who's been outstanding on that defensive line. So, Indiana State's going to have their hands full in terms of trying to move the football. What I think against a, a Western Illinois team, that's created a lot of opportunities in terms of turnovers. Indiana State mm-hmm. has the fewest turnovers in all the country. That's one thing Indiana State hasn't done this year. I'm knocking on all possible wood I can as I say this, <laughs> uh, but they've not, they've not turned the football over this year, which kind of just plays into why uh, they've been in every game. Yeah. Well, and that, and that, that, that does say something right there. Is, you know, if you guys haven't had the turnovers, because, Heck, there have been a couple times where I've I've watched Indiana State and it's been like, uh, do they realize who they're throwing to? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and they're throwing it right into the arms of, uh, you know, I've gone to a couple Indiana uh, or Illinois State games, or I've gone to, you know, of course I've seen them out at Western. You know, do they realize that they just threw that ball there? You know, 
So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's been an issue for sure. And, uh, you know, they've – and all credit again, you know, what Ryan Boyle's done is loaned two interceptions this year were on tip passes. Um, so they were difficult interceptions. Mm-hmm. One was returned for a pick six against you and I, uh, which seems like a season ago, to be honest. But that was back at the end of September. Uh, and then Illinois State got one a week ago. Luther Kirk in the secondary. Dante Jones went up, almost made a miraculous grab, but it was tipped. And he made a heck of a play on the football, and they just haven't been able – they've only lost three fumbles all year. So this team's done a really good job in terms of just holding on to the football, not making any mistakes. I think it's the one thing they haven't – and I don't want to say Coach Wilson, our defensive coordinator, is disappointed in what Indiana State's done in terms of creating opportunities. We had two interceptions against Illinois State last week. That had our season total. Uh, we only had two interceptions prior to a week ago heading into that game. Uh, we have forced a decent number of fumbles this year in the league. Uh, it's actually first in the league. We forced about 13 fumbles mm-hmm. this year. We recovered 10 of them. So we've done a good job in terms of creating opportunities and punching the football out, but not necessarily making teams pay when they've thrown it against us, unlike a week ago against Illinois State, which we were able to do. Well, and if Western plays again like they did in South Dakota, I hope that they've learned a couple lessons from, from you know, their game against the Coyotes. But, you know, they could they could see a couple more interceptions come their way because if they're in the right spot at the right time, that ball's going to, you know, overshoot the wide receiver. And if they're in the right spot, then there they go, you know. So... For sure. Um, you know, and I think, I think one thing's no doubt, I mean – to make make pretty clear, I mean this this team, and I and I think anybody wearing Sycamore blue and white that'll be making the trip to Macomb uh, knows the the team that played in South Dakota a week ago is not going to be the team that Indiana State will see on Saturday. It's going to be Western Illinois Senior Day. You know, I, I I am such a believer in the Valley that I believe if you and I should win, and whoever wins this game on Saturday, I, I know Western did stumble a week ago. But this league is just so darn good, and I really mm-hmm. believe this league deserves at least three teams, if not four, to go. I don't think the Valley will get four. I really think it only will be three teams. I hope it's at least three teams uh, when you think about it heading into the postseason. Uh, you look at what Southern Illinois – I mean, Southern Illinois is a play away from knocking off SEMO earlier this year, and SEMO is the second-best team in the OVC. And Southern Illinois is going to finish dead last in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. You put them in the OVC, you're talking about a Southern Illinois team that may they may not win the OVC, but they're up there and they're in that upper half. Mm-hmm. And that really just shows you the deep, uh, the, the parity in this Missouri Valley Football Conference and why when you see these teams go head-to-head outside of this league, I mean, I don't think there's any question that, if you look at you and I, if you look at Western Illinois, if you look at Indiana State, and you compare those three teams to Southeast Missouri, and no offense to the Red Hawks and SEMO, I take all three of those Valley teams, and it's not even it's not even a question. Uh, those three right. teams are darn good. They deserve to go. Now, whether they do go, that's going to wait to see. We'll find out uh, after the game on Saturday. It's pretty simple for Indiana State and Western Illinois. You got to win. <laughs> Uh, at least give mm-hmm. yourself a chance and see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, other than, of course, keeping your turnovers down, which you guys have done all season, what else do you guys absolutely have to do in Macomb in order to pull this game out? I think it's going to be having that offensive success. Like I mentioned, you know, this year 
which I actually haven't even mentioned yet. Uh, Indiana State's been without their best tailback. And when I say Indiana State's best tailback, I'm talking about the best tailback in the league. Uh, Jaquan Keyes is the best running back in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, I know I am a biased perspective on that because I cover Jaquan. I cover Indiana State. But he is the best back in this league. I think that's been shown throughout the year. And Indiana State's been 4-0 and without him. They've won four straight games without their top tailback. Christian Covington, who is number two on the depth chart, he had a career-ending injury that he suffered when they found out he had spinal stenosis after a hit in the Missouri State game. So Indiana State's been without their top two tailbacks. They've been without top three wide receivers. They've been without their top defensive linemen. They've been without two of their young guys in the secondary for the last three weeks. They've missed a lot of pieces on this team that they found a way to win. I think for Indiana State to win in Macomb, which has not been easy for Indiana State. Indiana State's only won twice in Macomb since 1989. I mean, this has not been a place where Indiana State has gone and had a lot of success. They were in similar Mm -hmm. position about four years ago when Indiana State made the playoffs. Mike Parrish was the quarterback. It was Mike Sanford's second year at the helm here in Terre Haute. And all Indiana State had to do was go on the road and beat Western Illinois, and it would be a lock for the playoffs. Well, Western Illinois really thumped Indiana State that day, and the Sycamores thought their season was over. Indiana State snuck in to the playoffs. They had a lot of teams on the bubble lose that weekend and were able to get in. This week, we'll, we'll see what happens in that situation. I think for Indiana State to have success against Western Illinois, we talked about Colin Saunders earlier. You talked about Pete Swinson earlier. You got to be able to contain those two guys and make sure they're not going to have their normal tackles for loss, their sacks, be able to wreak havoc, which that Indiana State offensive line has been able to do a really good job of. If Indiana State gives Ryan Boyle time, I think Indiana State's going to be able to score the football. I think they're going to be able to have success. If Indiana State offensively can't move the football with consistency, I think that is a cause for concern because the Indiana State defense, give them credit, guys. They, they are much improved. They're much better than a year ago, but they've still allowed good chunks of yardage. They still allow big plays. I think if you're Western Illinois, what you're most excited about is hopefully a Steve McShane uh, can break through, get in space, uh, because there have been guys against the city and state defense this year that have been able to make big plays. Uh, I think that's what Western's got to hope for. But for Indiana State, I think if you limit Steve McShane and you make sure that you know Sean McGuire is going to get his yards because of how good he is at a quarterback and how, he, how good he is at distributing the ball. But also there's mm-hmm. been issues with Western in terms of dropping a lot of passes recently too. So I think the biggest thing is can Indiana State offensively sustain what they've done all year? And that's running the football. That's controlling the clock. That's not turning it over. And also when Western Illinois turns it over, you got to make them pay. And that's something Indiana State did a week ago against Illinois State. That's what they've done all year. And that's why Indiana State's in this position with a chance of winning seven games. Yep, definitely. What's been your favorite uh, moment from Indiana State's uh, football season this year? Wow. Uh, That's a really good question. Um, I mean, the most thrilling game was by far the triple overtime against South Dakota. I mean, how can a triple overtime game not be exciting? uh, Number one, Uh, but just how that game went, Uh, Indiana state never trailed till overtime. It kind of had a feeling of the Missouri state game a bit uh, when Indiana state had a chance to put the coyotes away or back against Missouri state had a chance to, put the bears away. They let it slip late and it just kind of felt going into overtime, man, 
South Dakota got the ball first. They scored right away. It was, I think, within two or three plays. And they led for the first time. They're up 38-31. And it just seemed the crowd, everybody was like, man, South Dakota's probably going to pull this out and it's just going to be a heartbreaker. And the next play, 25-yard touchdown pass to Dante Hendricks. It was a duel. They're in triple overtime. Indiana State found a way to be able to hold South Dakota to a field goal and ultimately got a touchdown pass to Dante Hendricks to win it. That's been my favorite game. Um, I'm trying to think of a – and I guess that would go, like, favorite moment, too. Uh, but even though it was a loss, I really enjoyed the South Dakota State game because that was a game that no one gave Indiana State a chance in to be competitive. And not only were they competitive, uh, you can make an argument they really should have won the game. Uh, but it was a tough ending there in South Dakota. But all these games have been fun, guys. I mean, it's unbelievable when you look at this course of the season for Indiana State. You take out Northern Iowa – Every game besides Youngstown State has been decided by one possession. I mean, that's every game since October 6th. Uh, I've had to take a lot of heart medication. Uh, I have had to pace a lot when I'm in the press box calling the games. I can't just sit down. I got to move to my left. I got to move to my right. I got to stand. I got to go for I can't sit. Uh, the anticipation at the end of these games can be crazy. Uh, but it makes my job easy, you know, being the play-by-play guy because, you know, it's the games like a year ago where they're out of hand. Uh, no one's really paying attention to it. You got to try to find it to make it interesting. Oh, when you got all these one position games coming down to the end, coming down to the wire, that makes our job pretty darn easy. Uh, my job has been pretty easy this year because uh, the excitement level and the games have really told the story of themselves. You mind if I jump in here, Jeff? Yeah. Well, definitely. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Lou, this is Dakota. Um, we kind of touched on my conference, but like Jeff said, I'm not as familiar with the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, I'm more affiliated with the Ohio Valley because I spent the majority of my collegiate career at Jacksonville State University. Um, you know, last year, Indiana State 0-11, this year 6-4, and which is the best turnaround in all the FCS. And I was looking at y'all's you know, numbers, and it looked like the big jump was in scoring offense. You, you know, talked about it, you score a lot of points, really rushed the ball. You're the number nine team in the country in rushing offense. Last year, the Sycamores only averaged 14 points per game. This year, they're averaging 33 points per game. Huge jump. What do you think has led to the increase in scoring production from this season as to, opposed to last season? You know, I kind of hit that. That's a great question, Coda. You know, I kind of hinted earlier uh, with uh, Jeff. You know, the biggest reason is that offensive line. It all starts up front. Uh, Indiana State has seen a huge increase in what they've been able to do and giving their guys uh, more more opportunities. And Oh, and also give credit where credit is due. Ryan Boyle is an unbelievable quarterback. Uh, what he's been able to do with his legs, you know, he's got over, uh, I think off the top of my head here, I think three games over 100 yards rushing this year, which he's more of a pocket guy, but he's got some opportunities to move his legs to be able to run the football. But when Jaquan Keys left, Indiana State was a north-south, run the football, we're going to pound it type team with him. When Jaquan got hurt, and knowing you were without Christian Covington, who's another bruiser, Titus McCoy, uh, who was, I believe, the first running back this year to rush for over 100 yards against Illinois State this season, he's not necessarily a bruiser. He can get yards, and he can get you yards in short situations, but he was so different than Jaquan. They were such a great one-two combo punch, especially when you're in Christian Covington. But now what Indiana State's had to do, you see Ryan Boyle a lot in empty sets uh, where there's no tailbacks back with him. Indiana State will have four, possibly maybe five wide receiver options. 
in. They get a little bit more hit screens, quick passes out to the side, try to get to the edge to move the football, where now that's kind of been more of what they've done in running the football. It's been short passes to a Dakota Caton, to a Dante Hendricks, uh, to try to move those chains. I think that's where you've seen those number improvements because, one, what Indiana State's been able to do up front. You cannot be a successful football team. And, and as you mentioned, you were at Jacksonville State, Jacksonville State, who's now won the OVC five years in a row. The reason they're having so much success and guarantee is probably because they got pretty darn good offensive line. Uh, you can't do anything right. if you don't have a good offensive line. You can't run it. You can't throw it. And then that other part of it, too, you got to have playmakers. And Indiana State has had that in Ryan Boyle. You have it in a young freshman, Dante Hendricks. You had it in Rontrez Morgan before he broke his wrist against South Dakota State, but he hasn't appeared uh, yet. But luckily, Indiana State is going to get Rontrez Morgan back uh, for the weather next this weekend. So it'll be his first game uh, since the overtime loss to South Dakota State earlier this year. So they're getting key guys back. But the long-winded answer to your question is it all starts up front. Uh, that's why Indiana State's had success offensively this year. And they've been able to finally deal with the physicality of the defensive lines in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Because let me tell you, this league, it really seems like top to bottom, uh, you're not going to see a bad defensive front in this league. And you got to be able to you got to be able to move the football. you got to be able to give, you guys, give your guys time and playmakers a chance to be able to make plays. And that's exactly what this uh, Indiana State football team has been able to do this year, Dakota. Yeah, you see teams like Indiana State, East Tennessee State, Maine. You know, these teams have not had recent success, and they're not used to being in the playoff talks this late in the season. And two of those are leading their conferences right now. What does that, what does that tell you about the parity in FCS football this season? And what gives you the confidence that not a lot of people pay attention to that Indiana State can continue this momentum into next season? Well, I think the biggest thing, you know, parity, I think, in college football is everywhere, uh, not just at yeah. the FCS level. I know, I know <laughs> people at the FBS level, major college football go, how the heck are we going to beat Alabama? Uh, but maybe excluding uh, the upper tier in terms of how good some of those teams are, for the most part, there's parity wherever you look. And I can really only speak to what Indiana State's done. And for Indiana State to do it in what I believe is the toughest FCS conference uh, hands down. Uh, the Colonial's really good. There's a lot of good leagues. But I'm obviously biased towards the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and I'm okay when people say I'm biased towards the Missouri Valley Football Conference. But for Indiana State to do this within a year and then to do it with a, a lot of main pieces, I mean, there's been so many pieces that have been left. And the reason you don't hear Kurt Mallory every week going out and pledging and saying, hey, look who we've missed. Well, that's not in his DNA. Uh, everybody in America deals with injuries. It happens. Every football team has injuries. Every football team has injuries. Uh, the, the teams that they'll power through it are the ones who are normally most successful. Uh, you look at teams throughout the league. Now, I know North Dakota State may be a team you exclude from this, but they lose guys. They've lost guys. Now, they also have really talented guys behind them uh, that they can put in and play. Well, that's the whole point of it. You've got to be able to have everybody. Coach Mallory says it all the time. We need everybody. It's not just the starting 11. We need the guys that are second on the depth chart. We need the guys that are third on the depth chart. You don't know when your name is going to be called. And Indiana State has done that this year. They've been able to rise to that occasion. And to go from winless a year ago to winning six games on the doorstep of possibly winning seven games, five of those seven wins would have been in league. 
the five wins would match a school record for conference wins for Indiana State. They've never won more than five games in the Valley. Five is the most they've ever done, and they've only done that one time, by the way. So there is a heck of a turnaround going on in Terre Haute, and I'm trying to owe this team the respect they deserve. And I talked about this week in one of our video features on GoSickamores.com. Uh, so many folks, like the question you just asked, what's the optimism that Indiana State can carry this in the next year? Well, I'll leave it at this. Now, the guys who are playing right now, Indiana State loses one starter on offense. That is Tate Levitt on the left side of the offensive line at left tackle. And they lose four guys on the defensive side of the ball. And that's it. They return Ryan Boyle. They return four of the five on the offensive line. They return every wide receiver. They return every tailback. This Indiana State football team is good this year. And I think it's about time that people give Indiana State the credit they deserve. Indiana State is a really good football team. It's time to get over that 0-11 stigma. I get it. I understand it. I've had to battle through that, too, and go through manual. This team was 0-11 a year. That was last year. This year's different. This is a really good Indiana State football team. They're in the upper half of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and when you finish in the upper half of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, uh, you're above average. You're pretty darn good. Uh, and that's why next year this Indiana State team is going to be really darn good and a team to watch, and especially when you factor in Indiana State will have seven home games. That's the most home games in school history for Indiana State. And they begin the year at Kansas, which, of course, Nichols was able to go this year and beat Kansas at the beginning of the year. Uh, they, they will have a new head coach next year to start uh, their tenure uh, there at Kansas. So a big Power 5 game to start off the year in Week 1. You have seven home games to follow after that with essentially everybody returning. Uh, Indiana State and the state of Indiana is a basketball state. There's no confusion about that. Everybody loves <laughs> basketball in this state, but – and Terre Haute specifically has always been a basketball town. Indiana State is a basketball school. But there's a lot of folks that can't wait for next year to get going for football. But, guys, there's still a week to go, and there's still a chance for Indiana State to make sure the season extends past this weekend. And if they can do that, the excitement's only going to continue to rise. Yep. You kind of led into my that. last question. Um, I've got one more question, and then I'll give it back to Jeff. But you kind of touched on a little bit. What's the atmosphere been like down there in Indiana State with the the surge of this football program? Yeah, to put in perspective, Dakota, you know, a year ago we had one crowd over 4,000. Um, this year for all of our home games this season for Indiana State, every single crowd yeah. has been over 5,000. And, you know, I know those numbers maybe for folks that hear that may go, man, that's really not a lot. Uh, well, for Indiana State that is a lot. Uh, for five home games this year, to be able to say you've had over 5,000 fans for every game, it's remarkable. Uh, this Indiana State football team, that speaks volumes about the excitement. The game days are, are, are much more exciting. Uh, but part of that, of course, is just you've got to have a better product, and that has been part of it. This team is winning. This team is competing. This team is playing hard. Uh, but the other aspect of this, too, which should not be forgotten, is Kurt Mallory has done a tremendous job in going out in the community. Uh, God rest his soul, his dad, Bill Mallory, who lost his life over the summer, um, who passed away. Uh, Coach Mallory built a heck of a tradition at Indiana, uh, was winning at IU, uh, and then he was fired for not winning enough at Indiana. And since then, they've only gone to two bowl games since they fired Bill Mallory. 
Uh, but Bill Mallory has a reputation across the state with every high school coach as being, honestly, the best coach the state has seen in terms of uh, having a connection, uh, not just being able to coach the game, but the personal connection and that your guys understand that, hey, life is bigger than football. You're going to come here. We're going to win a championship. That's our goal. But you're going to get your degree. You're going to understand there are more things important than just football in life. And Kurt Mallory has done that. He's brought a family atmosphere. These guys, I mean, they would run through a brick wall for this man. Um, I, and I know I'm sounding like a broken record when I say this, guy, so forgive me. But just to kind of prove that point, Anoke Mawala tears a tendon in his right, wit, right wrist against you and I in the first half. What does he do? He comes out, plays a series in the third quarter to give his team a chance. Ron Trez Morgan, first drive of the game against South Dakota State, was a fade pattern. He fell in the back of the end zone, breaks his wrist. What does he do? He says, take me. I'm going to play. He goes, he gets nine receptions, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. Jaquan Keys, first drive of the game, gets tackled out of bounds, ball joint of his hip, popped out, tore his labrum, chipped off a piece of his bone, what does he say? I'm staying in the game. He rushed for over 150 yards after that and had two scores. And the reason for that, guys, is because they want to win and they want to fight for their leader, Kurt Mallory. It's remarkable. And that, that is why this team is, is so successful is all the guys know they're treated equally from the head coach and all of the guys would do anything for him and it showed, and it showed, and they've played through it and have had a remarkable season. I'll agree with you on that, and uh, it's been fun to watch you guys uh, all season long. Now, earlier, you know, we were talking about, you know, um, you know, teams from the from the Missouri Valley that were going to go on to to the championships. Obviously, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, probably, you know, they're pretty much punched their ticket already. Who do you think is going to get at least that third spot in that possible fourth spot? Well, like I told you guys, I, I think I would be – I'll say this. The Valley deserves four, but I'll be stunned if they get four. Um, I, you know, I, I, under, I totally understand Northern Iowa saying, hey, if we win, we beat Indiana State head-to-head. We went to Terre Haute. We just didn't beat Indiana State. We beat them 33 nothing, And at the time – at the time, that didn't seem like a quality win for Northern Iowa because many people thought, oh, that's the Valley opener, Indiana State, they're going to struggle, they're going to be dead last again in the Valley. Well, now people have seen what Indiana State's done in recent weeks. That's a darn good win for you and I, and that's a great one to have mm-hmm. in their pocket. But they've had head scratchers too. And Youngstown State, a prime example of that a week ago. Uh, but you look at their best wins too, and I am not trying to dog you and I, guys. I think you and I, like I said, if they you win against Missouri State, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you feel that way. Uh, but, you know, you and I, uh, if they can beat Missouri State, if they get the six wins, I do believe that they are a team that should go. We, we did the comparison, like we said, uh, to a team like SEMO and the OVC. But at the same time, their best wins this year, and they're good ones, Illinois State, South Dakota State, outside of being Indiana State on the road, those, all those wins have been at the Unidome. Uh, Indiana State, if they're fortunate enough to win on Saturday, which is going to be a tall task for Indiana State, three of the final five wins for Indiana State were on the road. They would have beat Western Illinois on the road. They would have beat Youngstown State on the road, which were two teams that would have beat UNI. Uh, I feel if Indiana State wins 
Of course, I'm the play-by-play man of the Sycamores. I believe Indiana State should be in the playoffs, and I and I really do think they will, guys. If they truly value in ending the season on a high note and looking at, hey, who's the team that's going to go? It's not necessarily the team that was great in September. It's the team who's great right now, and it's the team who deserves to go. I think Indiana State fits all of those bills. I think Indiana State's resume does stack up to those um, and should go. Uh, Western Illinois, for example, if Western Illinois beats Indiana State, you know, that's another ranked win for Western Illinois this year. And, yes, they've had some struggles this season, but that's three wins against the top 25 if Western Illinois should win. Three of their six games came against the top 25. Again, at the same time, uh, you know, they're in the toughest league, so you're going to get those opportunities. Um, they would be 4-1 at home, so four of their home. six. You're right, and, and, and all of them were in Macomb. So, but, they, but they were able to get those three wins. So, but I think the teams this weekend who feel like, hey, if you win and you get in, I think that's Indiana State. Northern Iowa, I think, internally probably feels that way. But I think what's going to hurt Northern Iowa is the point, I think, what's going to help Indiana State. And that's kind of what have you done for me lately. Uh, Indiana State would have won five in a row, where you and I has just had a couple of late stumbles here at the end of the season, uh, which they, uh, you know, which which is kind of uh, you know under their own peril. So they got no one to blame but themselves. And and to be honest, too, guys, if Indiana State wins and Indiana State doesn't get in, will there be disappointment? No question. Will there be frustration? No doubt about it. Uh, this is a senior class that if they win five games in a row and don't get a chance to go to the playoffs they're going to be tremendously disappointed. But it's been a heck of a season. It's been a remarkable run for this team. Uh, we hope this run is not over, that is for sure. Uh, but Indiana State can also say, hey, should have beat Missouri State. You know, Missouri State scored a last-second touchdown with 18 seconds left. You should have made and should have capitalized on the road against South Dakota State when you had those opportunities late in Brookings. So Indiana State can be upset, you know, if they don't get in despite winning on Saturday. Uh, as I think they should, uh, but also Indiana State can look back at their own season too and say, hey, you take one of those two games between South Dakota State and Missouri State, it's probably not even a debate, fellas. Uh, you're in. So uh, that's kind of the way it is for, for Indiana State this week. But I think for the Valley, I really think best-case scenario is three, uh, but I hope for four. Um, I think four is very wishful thinking. Uh, I think it's going to be three, but – you know, there's a possibility, too, if Western Illinois beats Indiana State, it could just be two, um, which I really don't think should happen. I think I think the winner of Saturday's game um, should go. Uh, you know, whether you and I should go over Western Illinois, in my opinion, that's where the head-to-head comes in. I think Western should probably go over you and I. Uh, but then it's the same standpoint, well, hey, uh, if, if, you know, if you and I is tied with Indiana State, uh, you know, you and I has the head-to-head. Uh, but Indiana State does have, a, have one less loss. I just think Indiana State is such a different team uh, from when, when September happened. This team has improved such immensely throughout the year. Uh, but that's the great thing about it. You know, we're talking about it. We're talking about the sport. You guys reach out to me. You're having me on. That's the great thing about it is it stirs up conversation. It stirs up excitement. And that's the great thing about this sport. I think that's why the FCS has it right. Uh, and that's why I hope the FBS and the upper level of college football realizes, hey, the 14 college football playoff may be fun. Uh, but you know what? The FCS has it figured out pretty good. Uh, and 24 teams uh, makes it pretty exciting. And, and even then, you're still going down to the very end of trying to fight for your team to get in. 
Well, I can't agree with you more about about whoever wins in Macomb that they that they should go, and yes, that they should snub uh, you know Northern Iowa. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that's me as a as a former Leatherneck out there. You know, yeah, they they broke our hearts enough times. It's time to break theirs. Um, and, I, and, and I, I I don't care if it's if it's if it's the Sycamores or I don't care if it's the Leatherneck. I would love to see either of those teams in the playoffs because, uh, you know, again, you guys have had such a tremendous turnaround this year. You know, it would be, it would be wonderful to see that, see you guys moving back into the playoffs and go back, you know, for the first time in four years. It would be, you know, and I think that's the thing that's such a question mark guys is, you know, when you get into committees, um, every committee's different and there's really no, set rules um, for the committee to really say, hey, this is what we value over this. Um, You know, there may be a committee that values strength of schedule. Uh, If that's the case, then you and I should feel pretty good about themselves, right? I mean, they have the strongest strength of schedule in the country. Um, They should feel pretty good. But also I've talked to multiple people throughout the week where there's a lot of different committees that don't necessarily look at those numbers. Um, So, I mean, it's, I think that is what, that's why there's a conversation. That's why you guys asked me that question. That's why you guys asked me for my opinion on it is because that's exactly what it is. It's an opinion. Uh, I, I, I think there is so much in today's day and age you want to quantify, and there's so much in today's day and age where you want a number. Uh, but at the same time, numbers can lie. Uh, I mean, for, for example, uh, you know, Indiana State is the 10th worst passing offense in the Missouri Valley Football Conference in terms of numbers. Does that mean Indiana State can't throw the football? No. Indiana State can throw the football. They just elect to not throw it a lot. Um, but when they do, they're pretty darn successful with it, and they've, and they've done that the past couple of weeks. So numbers can always be misleading, and I think that's why I'm always careful to say, hey, look at strength of schedule, look at all that stuff. No doubt. Take all of those numbers into effect. Um, but I really do believe, and, of course, I'm making this pitch because this is where uh, the team I cover is at, I also think, man, I want a team that's going to get in and is going to play well. You know, I don't want to. I don't want a team that limps in. You know, I want a team that earned their spot. I want a team that showed me down the stretch that they deserve to go. And I think there's no question about it. If Indiana State wins on Saturday against Western Illinois, and again, that's a big if. That's going to be a really tough challenge for Indiana State. But if Indiana State can do that. I just don't know how you can hold a team out when you do look at numbers and say, okay, that's the toughest FCS league in terms of RPI. That team just won five in a row. Three of them were away from their home field, one against the ranked team. The other was against a team that was ranked just a short time ago. I just don't see how you can hold Indiana State out. But we'll find out. You know, that's what's going to make this weekend fun. First things first, there'll be an exciting bowl game Saturday afternoon in Macomb. Definitely, and I'll look forward. I'll uh, I'll definitely seek you out. I'm not going to be down at the game, but you know I've been I've been able to catch some of those games on my phone from work. So I'll uh, I'll actually seek out your guys' side and uh, take a listen to you on the way down. Perfect. I appreciate that, Jeff. And uh, you know Dakota, it was it's been great chatting with you guys too. You know, obviously reach out anytime, and um, I'm really proud of not just what this Indiana State team has done this year, but hopefully what they can continue to do. And it's been so much fun. And you know, excited to see what's coming. 
Yeah, it was fun talking to you. Good luck to the Sycamores this weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night, and uh, look forward to talking with you guys down in the future. Definitely, Luke. Thank you very much. Thank no you. problem, Have guys. Good Have a good one. Good night. Well, that was a fun interview. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. You know, and, and, and nothing against it. And again, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again later. You know, of course, I don't want I don't want Western to lose this game. I want us to to possibly go back to the playoffs. But boy, I'd I'd also you know that would be a fun fun to see Indiana State go back to the playoffs. I didn't realize it's only been four years, but boy, it'd be you know after they went zero and eleven last year, it'd be fun uh-huh. to see them sneak in and 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 you know maybe even have a little bit of sneak into the. Uh, Sneak into the playoffs as they're uh, as they you know would possibly get that last win down in Macomb this weekend. Yeah, I agree. It's always good to see teams turn their season around and have a chance to really go into unfamiliar waters and have the success they're not used to seeing. Well, you know, like you said, you know, if Indiana State wins this weekend, that gives them five wins in the Valley, which they've only done once in their history. So, well, and again, and, and I, I remember I had a Seymour a couple of weeks or a couple, yeah, a couple of weeks before the season started say, you know, that the Colonial was the best team. Well, um, no, or best conference. I, I just don't see it. And again, I, I, it, it's fun to have that validated by somebody from Indiana State, you know, that, that, that we well, are in, in, in the toughest team in, in FCS football, or the toughest conference, at least, yeah. in FCS football. But, you know, um, boy, I, 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 I agree with him. I hope that at least three teams get in from, from, the, from the Missouri Valley, and it'll be fun to see who that third team is. Because, as I said earlier, you know, obviously North Dakota State's going to get in, South Dakota State's going to get in. Who's going to be that third team? Yeah, the the people that say the Missouri Valley isn't the top conference, I feel like they only say that because North Dakota State always wins the conference. But I mean, always is a hyperbole, but you know what I'm saying. But you know, those they teams won beat up on each row, other. I believe. Am I right on that? I think that we've won it four years in a row, or I think that that uh, North Dakota State's won it four years in a row at least. But that's just one of the conferences where. Even the last place team, you look at Southern Illinois last week, they took South Dakota State, you know, to the end. Um, and, you know, South Dakota beating your leather next last week. I don't want to bring that up, but <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. That's fine. I mean, anyone, anyone can really be anyone that in that conference any week. So, and the, no, it's not saying the Colonial isn't as chaotic because they are very chaotic right now, but I just don't feel like there's a conference in SES that beats up on each other as much as the Missouri Valley. And this year it just seems like it's going it's to bite them too much because it looks like my guess would be they're going to get three teams in the playoffs at most. And I, I think that that's a fair, that's a fair uh, assessment. Again, you know, 
Illinois State hasn't had the year that they've had in the past. You know, um, right. you know, we we've kind of wondered. You and I, we've said it several times this year. We're rated. You know, Western's not been in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, Western's mm-hmm. not been in that. In that, we've. I mean, really, other than the last couple of weeks, really, Western's not been in that playoff talk. I mean, it's it's been something that it would be nice, but. No, I don't. I, I'm thinking that we haven't even been ranked this year, let alone, you know, be in that playoff discussion. It's just nice that we're still even in that discussion going into the last week of the season. Right. Um, while we still have a little bit of time, while this playoff talk, <clears throat> get a little discussion started on our game of the week this week because it does have. Uh, national seed impl- implications as uh, using the stats ranking number two Kennesaw State takes on number six Jacksonville State in SunTrust Park in Atlanta, Georgia home of the Atlanta Braves first football game in the new park um, you know I, I foreshadowed earlier that these two teams are very evenly matched and just to give a few statistics to prove that Total offense, Jacksonville State is at number seven in the country at 504 yards per game, 6.5 yards per play. Kennesaw State sits at number 11 with 481 yards per game and 6.9 yards per play. Uh, Third down conversion percentage for offense, Kennesaw State is number one. They convert third down 56% of the time. Jacksonville State is number five. They convert 49% of the time. But then you go to third down conversion defense. And Jacksonville State is only allowing their opponents to convert on third down 23% of the time. And Kennesaw State is number three. They're only allowing a 26% conversion rate on third down. And then on total defense, you look at these two teams, and at number two is Kennesaw State. They're allowing 236.5 yards per game, 4.1 yards per play. And Jacksonville State's at number six, 270. 5.9 5.9 yards per game and 4.4 yards per play. These two teams are very evenly matched. And then you look at the, and then I looked at the Sagarin rankings, which ranks every FBS and FCS team out of, there's a total of, I think, 255. Let me double check that. Yes, there's 255 total teams in this ranking. Um, and it just ranks all of them. And one of the things is strength of schedule. So out of 255, mm-hmm. though, you know, the knock on these two teams is they play a weak schedule. They haven't played anybody. And this ranking backs that up. You know, Jacksonville State, out of 255, is ranked 112. Their strength of schedule out of 255 is 206. Kennesaw State is ranked 95th. Out of 255, their strength of schedule, though, is worse. They're at 227th strength of schedule out of 255. So it's really a really a prove-it game for both of these teams. Jacksonville State had one of these games to begin the season against North Carolina and and they couldn't capitalize on it. They get another chance. Kennesaw is looking for the same result last year when they met in the playoffs, which resulted in a Kennesaw win. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Well, at least, you know, Jacksonville State has had at least a test this year. I mean, they had 
I realize it's the first weekend of the season, but they had North Carolina A&T to start the season. You look at, at what um, Kennesaw State has had. They, I mean, the last couple of weeks they had uh, the Campbell Camels. Um, that really wasn't a test. And then you look at this weekend's uh, game against Monmouth. That never was really a doubt, you know, in doubt either. You know, and, and, and nothing against it. Um, and I've said it all season. Monmouth shouldn't have been a playoff season, uh, playoff team from last season. They 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 snuck in, I thought. Um, and and I I think that that was you know evident, you know, especially that the way they played this season. So I really think. Jacksonville State probably, even though it's on a neutral field, has has a bit of a of an advantage in this game. Um, you know, I just don't see I, I don't see that that this Kennesaw team has been tested. You know, it's almost like that they've had practices that have counted for, for wins. You know, it, it, this is going to be right. their first real test, and of course, this is the week. Right before the playoffs start, and I and how I still don't see how, with with the people that they've beat and with the amount that they've beat them by, that they have been, uh, that they've been ranked number two in the country. I just still don't see it. You know they're good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but they're not. Are, are they even a top five team? I don't know. And you've seen this Jacksonville State team. You know you follow them, of course, because they're they're you know, they're your hometown team for you. But I mean it's just. I, I think that when you look at it, Kennesaw State is uh, as as, uh, as as you were saying earlier. This is a, a team that you know on paper you're even wondering how the heck that they're ranked as high as they are. You know, so right. I, I'm looking forward to this game. I I, I truly think Jacksonville State, in, in my in my opinion, is going to come out come out of this with a win. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it on the neutral field, though, in uh, in SunTrust Park. I always love it when they turn the baseball stadium into a football stadium, and, and, and I'm looking forward to that that matchup this weekend. Yeah, you talked about earlier that Kennesaw hasn't faced as much adversity. You know, they did start the season with FBS Georgia State. A lot a game. A lot of people feel like they should have won. They did lead 20 to 14 going to the final uh, quarter, but they gave up 10 unanswered to lose 24-20. And then what they – but you look at the FCS level. Uh, they're really the only test they've had. The closest game they've played was against Sanford, 24-10. to And at that point, Sanford was 1-3. And, and Sanford is currently 5-5. Five and five. So, you know, the best test Sam, or Kennesaw has had is a team that's sitting at 500. And Sanford had to win four straight to get to 500. So – but even in that, you know, game at home, Kennesaw managed 24 points and won by two touchdowns. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when they play a top 10 team in Jacksonville, even though it might be a home game for Kennesaw with Kennesaw being just right down the road. Um, it's, yeah, give. but how far are you yeah. from Atlanta? I mean, you're not that far from Atlanta. Yeah, Jacksonville's about an hour and a half. So, see, you're still, I mean, that's not that's not that bad of a drive for you guys. So, right. I, I expect that both teams should be very well represented at the fans out there. Yeah. 
I, I really don't see this as a home game. I really don't. I mean, I, I really see this as, as you know, pretty neutral field. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's as you said, it's much closer to Kennesaw State. But, I mean, this really is going to be a neutral field because I am sure that there are going to be plenty of folks from Jacksonville State that are going to come on over and, and, and watch this game over in Atlanta. And, and I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I'm not familiar with how well Kennesaw fans travel, so I wasn't able to be at the playoff game last year in Jacksonville, so it's going to be interesting to see how many fans do end up turning up. Uh, From what I'm seeing, it does look like a lot of Gamecock fans are playing on making the drive. I think that's a shame, you know, especially the – you know, you've got a, a game that's going to be on this level. I think that, that, that that's kind of a shame, um, especially in, in such a, a beautiful park over in Atlanta. You know, I realize it's not right downtown Atlanta, but, boy, it'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a great game to travel over to. Yeah, I'm, I'm upset I can't even get – I'm not going to be able to even watch this game. Um Unfortunately, I work. It does come on right when my lunch break should start, so I'll probably catch the first, the opening quarter, maybe. Okay. I'm trying to see if if it's on up here. Most of the games that we've chosen haven't been, so it's been like, oh, well, well, I'll read about that one later. You know? (laughs) I couldn't find uh, usually the the sports app I use usually tells me, even if it's not on national TV, if it's on like ESPN Plus or something, it usually tells me that. But even this didn't give me a station, so that kind of concerns me. Oh. Well, hmm. let me just take a really quick look here. course here we're coming up right um as we're looking up to see you know who's got that game over the weekend um yeah, even the ESPN app is not telling me well and this is last year why do I want last year's anyway um that was odd I actually went to the Kennesaw State site and they actually gave me from two years ago uh, Fox. Oh, it's going to be on Fox Sports Southeast. <laughs> we found it at the same time. There we go. That's the local station down here that um, broadcast the, broadcast all the Braves games down here. So, Yahoo Sports named it the FCS Game of the Week. I'm impressed. Well, again, it is number two versus number six. So, and. and you know, you just look at the playoff uh, implications here. This ought to be a this ought to be a good game just just from that aspect alone. Because whoever wins this game is definitely going to be a, a seed. You know, in the playoffs, whoever gets it might drop out of the seed in the playoffs. So, yeah, it should be a good game. I think for for both teams, and they both got a lot on the line. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun weekend of FCS football. We didn't get to a lot of them, but 
rivalry week for a lot of teams. You got Lafayette, Lehigh, the college football's oldest rivalry. It's the 134th meeting. You got the game between Harvard and Yale, Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Portland State. And we're running out of time. So we got two seconds left. Yep. But it was uh, All right. well, nice have a show. Good nice week. talking to Luke. Good night. And good night. Talk to you later.